got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game, East Tennessee State's going to leave on another They got him. Fight. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, ETSU fresh off a hard-fought defeat to the Wofford Terriers on the road. The Bucs now amongst a host of teams that are jumbled atop the conference with either one loss or even two losses, but should be fun down the stretch. The Bucs with three conference games left. Wofford with three conference games left. No shock, it's the same exact teams, Western Carolina, Mercer, and Samford in some sort of order, and uh, still a one-loss Mercer team hanging out there in the win that I just mentioned has to play Wofford, has to play ETSU. They already have a big win over Sanford. But we're going to break down today's game. We'll, me and Mike Gallagher will talk a little bit about it. We'll hear post-game comments from head coach Randy Sanders. Robert Harper in the second segment will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the contest. He was on the sidelines for that. Our third segment, one of the worst segments ever invented, uh, pros versus Jay. And in our last segment, uh, probably the second worst thing we've ever created, bold predictions because we – have not been good, although apparently there is a little bit of controversy. We'll have to, as there always is, every single – and this one isn't me. Normally it's me and Jacob lying about not getting my text uh, when I'm right, but this time uh, apparently it's not a pick of mine, which I, I kind of knew that because I was uh, not close. Well, I was kind of close, but uh, I didn't didn't have anything that would have controversy written on it. What was non-controversial was Wofford beating ETSU, and uh, really 17 nothing jumped out to a lead. I thought the way the season's gone when the Bucks got the break of the fumble – or whatever the world Walker was trying to do with the football in the end zone. Uh, but they got that, and then they were able to get points right before halftime as time expired, 17-10 going in the locker room. I really thought, Mike, that that was – it was sort of meant-to-be season type deal. But give Wofford credit, they came out and really kind of dominated the, the field position game, especially in the second half. I think you got to give ETSU credit in the fact that you take out those five minutes right at the end of the first half, and the game really probably would have been out of hand pretty early. But ETSU has been so opportunistic, as we've talked about throughout the year, and they've taken advantage of every little bit that a team has given them. And Marion Watson had a, had a very good day punting the football, and that led to that touchdown. And how about Tyree Robinson? I mean, he's been absolutely incredible. We've seen players make jumps, but this is like a 50, 100-yard full football field leap forward, it seems like. What, he's got four interceptions the last three weeks, a couple of touchdowns, had an interception the fumble recovery in the end zone against Wofford and yeah I'm with you I mean you go down the field and the offense builds on the momentum that the defense got the Bucks with that touchdown and the fumble recovery in the end zone it's 17 to 10 and it's one of those again where much like the Citadel game uh, it's 9 to 9 and you've gotten 
76 total yards. And so against Wofford, it's 17 to 10, and, and you feel like that most of the contest, really the first 25 minutes, you haven't had much of a foothold in the game. It was very encouraging, but then you hit kind of a lull in any momentum in that beginning of the uh, third quarter that you would have had coming out of the locker room uh, wasn't really there anymore. Now the defense was still absolutely doing their part. Of course, there was the Herrick interception, deep yard territory. They back them up. It's fourth and 31, and then, I mean, I, I don't even know if we need to get into the penalty. It's just one of those things that uh, obviously well, it didn't we, help. No, we all know what <laughs> happened, and Tremont Farrell, I'm sure that he was, you, you mentioned on the radio call, he knew it right away. I'm sure that he went back to the sideline, heard it from the coaches, but no one's beating himself up harder than that. A young man, you know, on Saturday and even into today, I'm sure, as they prepare for Western Carolina. So that seemed like it was definitely a turning point of the game. Uh, it was 17-10. The defense had pushed him back 21 yards out of field goal range after that turnover deep in ETSU zone end. And from there, the floodgates kind of opened. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's a situation, too, where ETSU – I know they, they still forced a couple of turnovers in it. They still uh, lost a turnover battle overall. But they had been playing mistake – pretty much mistake-free football – very uncharacteristic penalties early. I thought, you know, a couple snaps that weren't snapped at the right time on the wrong cadences, linemen jumping. There was a an alignment issue with the skill position players that led to an early timeout. I mean, just little things that, that again, I go back to the Bucks, and I thought, you know, beating VMI was maybe the first hurdle, and then maybe the way they were able to win at Citadel, maybe the whole playing on the, the road thing wasn't that big a deal, but I still think they're having trouble uh, playing on their, and especially starting the game early. Well, and let's point out that it wasn't exactly a great showing for the Wofford fans on Saturday. So I'm not sure if it's the noise or if it's just a different environment. I'm not sure what exactly leads into that, but it was homecoming for Wofford, and it sounded like they put a couple thousand people in there, and ETSU, you know, had dang near as many as <laughs> Wofford had in the stadium. So it, it, it wasn't a noise issue, clearly. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but you're absolutely right. The penalties really did hurt, and whether it be the Tremont Farrell penalty or the alignment penalties. Now, I'm not sure that the loss is necessarily without controversy. Uh, we went back and rewinded the illegal touching uh, onside kick from J.J. German, and it didn't appear to ever hit him from the slow motion video that Stephen May and crew had. Uh, that being said, it didn't seem like the referees had the greatest day either. I'm pretty sure there was a mistake both ways. Yeah, I'll be a little careful about it, but yes, that uh, there were there were missed calls both ways. In, in fairness, so at least they're consistent, right? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, there, there was the the pass that was called complete on the five yard line that uh, that started drive for Wofford, where they went 95 yards to put points up on the board. That certainly would have changed the complexion, maybe of that drive. Austin Herring clearly fumbled. Uh, Miles Brown stripped him, went down to the ground, and, and was able to recover that. There were flags that were thrown that were picked up that, that went against each team. There were flags thrown even though the ball was incomplete and for an illegal touching. But if it's incomplete, you can't have an illegal touching because you didn't make the catch inbound. I mean, there were several things, spots that were a little out yeah. of control. Again, both ways. I, I, I mean, Both coaches were angry, visibly upset on several calls that didn't go their way or was changed or whatever it may be. But, but certainly it was. Now, the – Couple of the biggest penalties in the game were what they were. Uh, you know, the uh, the roughing the kicker. I, I don't think was really much of a an argument. And, and picking up a flag actually helped uh, the Bucks keep uh, Wofford at the one yard line. And it was the I did go back and try to look up the rule. And if a if a, uh, a 
players calling for a fair catch but then is running away from the ball and there is contact. He's clearly not making a play on the ball if it's incidental. Now, clearly if a guy just trucks him right. and lowers his head, you know, they're, they're, that's a different type of penalty. But uh, if there's just, you know, they, they kind of clipped each other's legs and, and tripped over each other as he's running away and he's not really in the play, then it's not that big a deal. So there were several plays that, that certainly hurt both teams with penalties, but we got so used to maybe ETSU – playing a little more mistake-free. Sure. And, and, and there's a couple that you understand. I, I think there was a time where Karan DeLentz, they, they double-moved him instead of giving up a touchdown. He grabbed a guy. Smart penalty. Right. So there were times where where things happened. But there were too many false starts. There were too many – I'm thinking of the one time a huge third-down conversion was called back because Keith Coffey uh, was pretty much a CFL player moving two, you know, four, two or three yards before the ball was snapped. And – uh, there were just a few things that just did not go the Bucks' way, and they were self-inflicted. That's the other bad thing is you yeah. you would think in week eight that even though you're playing on the road, and as you mentioned, it wasn't the noise of the crowd throwing anybody off, uh, just a, a situation where they, they weren't executing, they weren't on their game. I mean, snaps on different cadences I haven't seen on a, a Heron and Pike I know, for and a I know long you time. mentioned that maybe with, the fact of being on the road, they were maybe trying to change up the cadence this week or whatever the case may have been, but it didn't seem like people were on the same page. Well, no, they definitely weren't. And, and, and the reason why I thought that was because at one point in time, Citadel had it pretty well right. set hut. They're coming across the line, and I think they were trying to just make sure early in the game that Wofford couldn't time things up. And so if you're not – and I think Matt brought it up. If you're not uh, – Matt Woodson, the color analyst, if, if you're not used to going on two ever or whatever the, the snap cadence is and you change it up, then it's not it, – there are a lot of te- – you know, NFL teams change it up pretty much on every play, so you're you're kind of used to certain things. And you know when there's a dummy snap and when there's not. But if you're not used to it as a team, may- maybe that's it. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, that's a conversation for, for Coach Sanders. Just ask because he's the one that kind of openly brought up the, the cadence thing. Um, we we thought that was the case, but he had brought it up in the post game, and, and the receivers running wrong routes. I mean, I, I have no idea. I, you can't really – you know, at this stage in the game – and on scripted plays, I think that's what's really bothering him. So all week, or at least the latter part of the week, you work on 8, 10, 15 plays, and you know what it's going to be. You know what the routes are going to be. You shouldn't have to think about it. You just go out there and run your routes, and all of a sudden people aren't running the, the, the right routes. And so uh, when that happens, and a quarterback is certainly looking for certain type of routes to happen, they don't happen, it just changes the, the whole complexion of the game. I think that many believe the game flipped in that third quarter after ETSU wasn't able to get an early score, turned it over, then the roughing, the punter penalty, and Coach Sanders had some thoughts on that after the game. They kept us backed up. You know, in field position, I was glad the defense was getting stopped, but I would have loved to have got the ball somewhere other than the 10-yard line. Second time we get it, I think we're on the 13, and, and again, we have a couple opportunities to to convert a first down and get out and kind of get things going, but wasn't, wasn't able to do it. Then the third time we get we have the interception, get them to fourth and 33, and we rough a punter. So about about as bad as you can – you can do right there in the third period from uh, field position and, and managing the game from a total team aspect. Sounded like Coach Sanders threw out his postgame comments, and I'm sure we'll hear it today in the Monday press conference. I'm not thinking that anything will have changed after he watched the tape, but offense and cutting out the mistakes on offense and tightening things up on that side of the ball. And it's been a consistent theme, right, but he sounded about as frustrated as he had been, and it makes sense because that is the first FCS loss for ETSU this year, so naturally you're going to be more frustrated, especially one, and I don't know about you, Jay, but it seemed like while Wofford is a very good team, if you just execute a little bit better on a couple different plays, 
you really are right in that game with a chance to pull the quote-unquote upset on the road. I think the the best thing about coach is self-awareness, right? And, and most coaches are, but a lot of times they sound bites in the game. Sure. Let's just give the other team credit. They did what they're supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. And, and he did give Wofford a little credit. Bit of that, yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't say that uh, coach doesn't give other teams credit, but I think he's very aware of the shortcomings and is very honest with people about w- what they are and you know, what's the old saying? Truth hurts. <laughs> I think he just he's very truthful with his players about it. And I think the one thing is that you kind of respect that, right? You, you, you respect the guy that, that gives you the, that this is what it is as opposed to maybe saying it just to the media and not you. Like, uh, you know, I know, you know, postgame what he's saying to the players and coming out saying the media is the same thing, right? He's giving them all the um, different answers and everything you could give. But to me, you could tell the frustration and – he he pointed out very quickly what the three four big swing game swing plays were in that game. I think Coach Sanders agreed with my assertion that this game could have been much closer, and he talked with you about that after the game as well. I thought the game had a chance to be much much closer than the final score was. I I, I thought if we could just ever quit making mistakes from an offensive standpoint, we we could move the football. You know the. First two possessions of the game, we're moving the ball, and we're, we're doing about as many things wrong from an assignment standpoint by some people as you can imagine. It, it, it was unbelievable. So I, I, I thought we played them right there. But the fact is they beat us today. They, 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 they outscored us in the 60 minutes that they're keeping score. Ifs and buts, you know, we all know the sayings about that, and they, we'd have a great Christmas if it weren't for ifs and buts. It is what it is. You've got to give them credit. They, they do a great job with their program. they got a mature football team do a good job coaching, but they, they don't make a lot of stupid mistakes. Kind of beat us at our own game. We, we haven't been beating ourselves today. They didn't beat themselves, and uh, we, we helped them out a little bit. I certainly hope everyone still does have a good Christmas, despite the ifs and buts. But uh, what did you think of Wofford and seeing them for the first time this year? Obviously one of the top teams in the country coming into the season. We're ranked number six before the loss to Furman, then ranked number 12. Probably going to jump a spot or two this week, you would think, with a victory over a ranked team. So what are your thoughts about Wofford? Did you think that they were as formidable as their reputation preceded? I think the one thing that confused me was the fact that they continued to try to put Coach Conklin's stamp on trying to throw the football more, and I think they could have easily put the foot on the throat of a couple teams this year and have been able to. So right. they could have Citadel, they were up 21, and they started to get cute throwing the ball and an interception return for a touchdown, then a fumble and an interception. Next thing you know, it's 21-21, almost lost that game. Mm. I, I kind of felt like Wofford could have kind of salted the, the game away and did some things because ETSU was having trouble. And I know Wofford wants to be more balanced, but it is kind of who they are right now, the personnel grouping. So I think Wofford is hurting themselves, and that's why I think they're not as, as good and formidable as they have been. That being said, they're still one of the top in the, the league as far as Southern Conference goes. And so prolific running the football, why get away from it so much? I, I don't know. And, and, you know, and I – I think that's what they want to do in the future is be able to, again, they want to be a little more firm and a little more Air Force. They want to be able to, to have a little more balance so people in the playoffs just can't, when you play some other teams in the playoffs that really can, can be as physical and athletic on the outside and can come up and make plays, then that's where they kind of hit that and to take the next step. Coach Conklin thinks that's the next step. But certainly defensively, um, they made a lot of corrections uh, with their linebackers from what had cost them a week ago. ETSU tried to challenge some of those things, but I give Wofford credit for making the adjustments. 
We've got Robert Harper, I think, on the other side of this break. We do. We'll have Robert Harper, other side. He'll give us his thoughts on the Wofford ETSU game right after this timeout and Sanderson sidekick. Don't forget to download some SoundCloud and on iTunes. This is the Buccaneers Sports Network. Congrats. You made it. Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day. You took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1 million. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Make your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. in the sidekick. We're at Dwayne B. Green Jr. Stadium. Basically the 50-yard line. Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher, who's not at Dwayne B. Green Jr. Stadium, but was on the sideline in Spartanburg, South Carolina Saturday. Our sideline reporter, good friend of the program, Robert Harper. Robert, you were live in color there for the Wofford Terrier game, and 
Uh, give the Bucks a little credit as far as the defense, again, making it. Well, special teams in defense being able to put the first points on the board and then to get a big field goal going in the locker room. But really, third quarter, it was all about uh, special teams and field position for the Wofford Terriers. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I heard a little bit of the comments that you made uh, before the end uh, there, the break. But, you know, I honestly, to be – to be 100% kind of agree with you, I thought Walford had a chance later in the game to kind of salt it away. But I think UTSU did a great job of, of staying true to who they were. I know they struggled at certain points offensively. Um, that has been, I think, a concern for Randy Sanders all years to be more efficient on that side. Uh, but they were true to who they were. I mean, they played defense. They got a big turnover. Uh, Tyree Robinson is kind of turning into a superstar sorts defensively over the last – several weeks comes up with the recovery in the end zone for a touchdown. So uh, ETSU's models there, I think they know how to win games with it. I think Walford was just a little better uh, on Saturday. I just think that's the best team that I've been able to see of the uh, now eight games that ETSU's played. Robert, I, th- I think uh, another thing that uh, ETSU struggled at, and, and again, um, the the two teams they played on the road are generally pretty good against the run. I know the Citadel uh, wasn't uh, particularly this year, but they really sold out eight, you know, seven, eight guys in a box, a lot of blitzes to try to uh, slow the ETSU running game down. Wofford didn't necessarily have to do that because their defensive line is still uh, besides ETSU, and I said that at the beginning of the year. I thought Wofford and ETSU had the best defensive uh, at least three down linemen in the league period, and certainly Miles Brown and those guys uh, created some havoc. Bucks should have an opportunity to run this week against Western Carolina. It gives up a lot of yards, but certainly it's concerning if the Bucks can't get that ground game going. Well, here's here's what's happening. I mean, in all due respect, Austin Harris, I think, has provided that spark and has really gotten the team uh, offensively to the point that they are this year. ETSU has to be more consistent in, in two areas, and that is, in my mind, getting a little bit better protection on play action and then being able to go downfield. A receiver has to get some separation. They have to be able to get behind a DB. You don't always have to connect, but you have to have that threat there because as I watched the Walford game on Saturday, this is a team that Walford could have played with their front four and front seven and probably been okay against the run, not great, but maybe okay enough, um, that they were walking safeties up to within 12 to 10, 10 to 12 yards of the line of scrimmage, which meant that the guys on the outside had opportunities to get over top. But either one or two things would happen. Either you didn't get separation from that guy in the secondary, or there just wasn't any time, which was more often than not the case. Austin Eric just didn't have any time to, to load up and throw the football down the field. So, if you can get a couple of those shots against Western, who's been prone to give them up, let's just be honest, if you can make that happen, um, then your running game gets automatically better. I mean, it just went by default. It will just get better because there will be fewer guys to block. It's interesting what you gleaned from a radio broadcast, Robert, and being in the studio this past weekend, it sounded like, and I was talking to Jay about this off air, Titus Tucker maybe had a little bit of a rough game, Karan Dillon, so you look at the stat sheet, and Titus Tucker had you know, 10 tackles, so he's clearly around the ball a decent amount, and it also sounded like on the offensive side that 
a lot of times Jay and Matt and yourself were discussing how uh, Austin Herrick, you know, maybe had a guy over the top, didn't take that shot. Was a lot of that on Austin? Was it on the protection? Were guys not as open as it appeared to me over just the audible from what I was hearing from Jay and the crew down in Spartanburg? Where do you place and assess the issue of that area on Saturday? I think it's everybody. I mean, I think it's, I think everybody has a part in it. I don't think it's one area. I mean, that's to me, there were chances. I mean, I think Clay Holmes at one point on a, on a route was open down the sideline and he just overthrew the football a little bit, but it still wasn't an easy throw because, you know, Austin wasn't able to completely set on that pass. I mean, the, the, those are the things that I'm talking about. It takes a little bit of everything being just that much better for it to look perfect or to at least work. Um, and, you know, when ETSU has been able to get throws down the field, and it doesn't have to be 60, 70-yard bombs, but we're talking 15, 20, 25, 30-yard chunks. When you can get those throws down the field, then it loosens everything else up. But I honestly think that it's a little bit of everything. Protection needs to be better. Austin Herrick needs to be better in getting set and letting go of the football. And I think the guys on the outside need to find a way to get separation. And, you know, that's, that's going to come with time, you would think. Uh, but you're eight games into the year. You're, you're you're hitting this home stretch with these three very important games coming up, and none more important than Saturday against Western. Uh, I think again, you don't have to have every play on every drive have a big play down the field, but you have to have some threat so you back up two guys or three guys out of that box so that you got a little bit more opportunity to run. I'd like to hear both your thoughts on this. And Coach Sanders has gone from Marchie to Herrick. Do either of you think that there's any possibility with Coach continually riding the offense and asking them for more and clearly having some frustration with, I think, the quarterback position from time to time that there is a possibility that they go back to Austin at, or, excuse me, Logan at some point over the next couple of weeks? Uh, Jay, if you want to answer first, I'll let you. But in my personal opinion, I don't have any inside knowledge on it. No. I don't see it. I think yeah. that Austin Herring's the guy. I think he takes care of the football for the most part, makes the right decisions. And while you may lose a little bit down the field, I think what you gain in leadership is irreplaceable. I, I thought Robert a good comment that coach coach is hard on the quarterbacks, right? That, that's real. I mean, let's just be honest. He is hard He's on the quarterbacks. Be. Yeah, and and you expect that offense coordinator got played the position himself, everything. But I, I think he he. This was the first time I think he wanted to make sure everyone knew that a lot of things that went wrong wasn't the quarterback's fault. And because I think in the past it might have been more on the quarterback, so he's called it out. I thought he did a good job of correcting probably most people's thoughts of, man, you know, Austin – you know, you know, didn't do this, didn't do that. And on, like, the first interception, you know, the the common theme yeah. is, man, he threw it right to the other guy. Well, coach said, yeah, he threw it right to the other guy because he, he stopped the route. He thought Austin was going to do a scramble drill, so he took off. Austin thought he was still running the route because he was open. All of a sudden he broke off the route, and he, he had a guy in the numbers that was wrong. I thought also he, he, he talked about the receivers, you know, again, early in the game when it scripted, ran the wrong routes, and that's very difficult. Obviously, for a quarterback, you're sitting there thinking, okay, my read's here. This guy's going to break this way. Oh, man, he's not there. And now you're looking and scrambling. And, and even if the receiver was open, Austin's still looking for a different route. Like So if he's looking at a certain area or if a guy's going to break out and he breaks in, you, you, you know, that that's tough for a quarterback to be thinking, okay, I'm going to throw it to the numbers. And all of a sudden he's like, where'd he go? Well, he's open to hit the hash marks, but I'm kind of turned towards the numbers. So I thought it was interesting that, that Coach 
uh, for the first time this year, I think, came to the defense of, of any quarterback. He's been very hard on him. So I don't yeah. think so because, Robert, just those comments to me said, I, I don't have a problem with Austin. No, I, I, and it, you know, the, the quarterback is always the first one to get blank. He's also always the first one to get praise. And in all reality, he probably doesn't deserve either one of them. And, and that's just because he's the most visible guy on the team. And so, yeah, he's going to be hard on him too because, I, as you mentioned, he coached the position. But I think it was pretty hard at halftime on the receivers. He talked about that at the halftime break. I don't know if y'all played the clip or not, but, I mean, he talked. He said, we've got wide receivers running around with chicken sort of a head call. I mean, at the end of the day, that kind of tells you where his thought process was with the quarterback. And there were some drops early on, too, again, in that first half that hurt. Yeah. And you and me have talked about on air, Jay, on Dennis and the sidekick before, just how many drop passes can you have in a year and continue to, you know, place a ton of blame on the quarterback. I just think it's, it was a question worth asking simply because some coaches will, if they sense a team like ETSU that's had a good run game, much improved run game until maybe the last couple of weeks against two very stout defenses and also a defense that can create, sometimes coaches will overthink and say, well, hey, I got a guy that can get it over the top, and that may be the thing that gets us over the top. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, I think the the here's the other thing moving forward because I just want to get Robert's thoughts uh, going into West Carolina. Me and you will continue yeah. a little bit uh, tomorrow to talk about Wofford, and then we'll really turn the page uh, to Western Carolina. Bucks two years ago, the game at Bristol Motor Speedway, able to really make plays offensively, get down the field. Last year on the road, they they really were not, and uh, there were a couple of picks. Uh, one was a pick six, and one was a pick. It got to about the five yard line. That being said, the guy that made that plays on an NFL roster now, and he was also about six foot one. Western not having him out there, uh, one of the outside uh, cornerbacks, uh, is what they were in the defense. But Wofford is uh, Wofford Western has just given up a ton of yardage. So if ETSU was to ever have a bounce back game offensively, this could be an opportunity for ETSU to do that offensively. The flip side, the defense will be tested the most because this is the most athletic quarterback they will play this season. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing, which is offensively you've got a chance, I think, at least against a Southern Conference opponent, maybe outside of VMI, to have a big day offensively. And this game being at home, we already know ETSU is better offensively. Most teams are better offensively at home uh, than they are on the road. So you're going to have a chance to move the football uh, really uh, – I would say as much as you're going to have it all year long, but the defense is not going to have to step up because now for the first time you've got a guy at quarterback, you've got a system of quarterback where they're going to throw the ball a ton and the quarterback's going to run around and make plays. And, and they're going to try to run it some, but when they run it, it's usually with him anyway. So, I mean, you, you got one key. So now the question is how, do you, how does Billy Taylor, that defense, uh, work against a guy who's going to be that mobile and that active? Um, and that's the challenge. If the defense is really good in this one, again, which I think they can be. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no history that tells you they can in my mind this year. Uh, but if you can be really good in this one, then I think offensively you've got a chance to, to score some points. Um, how do you th- but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. How do you think, Robert, this matchup fits the style of ETSU? Is it more of a dangerous matchup considering the offense maybe at times this year has not been able to keep up, say, against a a Furman or put points on the board big like against a Chattanooga, say, or a Wofford, um, even to an extent Citadel because he had the defensive touchdown uh, two weeks ago. Um, With this Western Carolina team being able to put up a ton of points, does this matchup scare you more than a Citadel or Wofford who you know is going to be in the trenches, battle it out um, between the two? 
two front uh, front five for uh, Citadel, the front seven for ETSU, and reverse on the other side of the ball. Do you think that this is the possibility of more um, of a difficult scenario for ETSU? Here's the way I look at it. I think Wofford's the better football team, and they're a tougher matchup period across the board. The only difference between Wofford and Western Carolina in my mind is that Wofford is one or two plays away from getting beat almost every single week. If they fumble the ball, so they pick it up, runs it in for the end zone, and then you have a, another situation where they throw a pick six, and kind of like the Citadel game Jay was talking about earlier where they were, they were up 21 nothing, tried to do some crazy stuff. It was 21-21. All of a sudden, almost lost that ball game. I mean, you know, that's Wofford. Wofford's literally like a handful of plays from getting beat because they play so limited amount of possessions. Western Carolina, on the other hand, is a game where you – you can be in it and still be down three touchdowns because they're going to they're, they're going to play so fast and they're going to they're going to give you so many opportunities with possession. Uh, but it's dangerous from that perspective in that you know you could lose by three touchdowns and the game actually be close. I don't think Wofford's a you know a four five six touchdown type team for most weekends. I just think you have more margin for error against Western Carolina because they're going to give you that. Uh, but it's scary because offensively. I mean, they put up points. They put up 46 last weekend against Mercer um, on the road. I mean, they're they're not afraid to, to chuck it around and have a little bit of fun with it. So, and they've got nothing to lose at this point now. I mean, they're 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 just they're just playing to win some games and have some fun and, and hopefully uh, enjoy a road trip. So we'll see see how it goes. I think it's dangerous just because you got a guy who's catching the football off of the center who can just make plays. Well, the one thing, and just to back that up, so the last couple of weeks the conversation with Coach Sanders and the coaches show has been the fact you're only going to have maybe 10, 12 positions or, or possessions in the game because of the option style and the ball control, that and other. In Western Carolina, those games are averaging 22 to 23 possessions, so there could be 10 more extra offensive possessions for ETSU, which means, again, they've got a chance to make more plays offensively uh, to what they got to do. Now they got to make those plays, but I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if the defense can kind of just keep Adams. I don't know that you stop him, but if you can just kind of slow him down, he he turns the ball over. He was benched in the Sanford yeah. game because he had three turnovers in the first quarter, and he turned it over against Mercer as well. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, you're going to get more opportunities because they're going to give you the football too. I mean, Walford's not going to do that on a very consistent basis uh, because of the way they play. You're not going to have a lot of turnovers in terms of sheer numbers. Uh, but I was going to mention the Western Carolina Sanford game. You mentioned possessions. I think Sanford had like eight possessions in the first 15 minutes. I mean, I don't know when ETSU had their eight possession against Walford, but I guarantee it wasn't in the first half. Yeah, no, uh, it definitely wasn't in the first half. Matter of fact, I, you know, if we just go back to the Citadel game, ETSU had three offensive po- true possessions because the fourth possession was technically the interception return for a touchdown, which yeah. the offense wasn't even on the field. And the fifth one was when ETSU took a knee to end the game. They needed one yep. knee. So that was that was five possessions when in reality they only had three. ETSU only had four, if I'm not mistaken, well, I guess, again, the fumble. There were five possessions in the first half, one of them, again, because a turnover counts as a possession. They got a fifth possession due to a turnover, but they only had five possession or four offensive possessions in the first half. They will clearly, I think, have four to five maybe in each quarter. No, I, I would I would totally agree with that. I mean, it's just a lot of possessions, a lot of opportunities to score points. 
because that's what Western wants to do. That's how they feel like they're most efficient and most uh, effective. And uh, you're going to see a football player, the best player on the team, gets the ball from from center. So that means he's always going to be touching it. Um, that's going to be that's going to be the, the the interesting part is how do you handle a guy who already has his hands on the football? They're not going to hand it off to their best player. They're not trying to throw it to their best player. Best player always has it in his hands. Robert, appreciate the time, buddy. I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, man, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. All right, that's Robert Harper. Uh, when we come back, pros versus Jays. Right for this time out, don't forget to download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can also subscribe to RSS feeds. You get the update every time the show is uploaded. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Buck Sports Radio, at Buck Sports Radio. Every day they have the update on Twitter as well. So plenty of ways to engulf your favorite podcast, Sandos and the Sidekick. We'll step aside for a timeout when we come back. Pros versus Jays on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official healthcare provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Hear from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. 
Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640, the extreme sports monster. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. anything like that. In the deep left center from Mitchell, and we'll see you tomorrow night. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. Versus Jays. I need a shower. Phenomenal segment. One of the best. It's a great way to lead off the week, making fun of you. I'm not talking. So, of that intro, let me ask you this before we get to the actual feature where a pro from the world of broadcasting will face a quote Jay, and that is Jay Sandoz, a pro himself in his own right. But I think you get the gist of the show from the bumper. Anybody in the pros section of the bumper that you feel doesn't belong? Oof. You've got I, I thought you were going to go a different direction. That, so I was trying to think of all the calls I really loved in that. Now I'm, I've got to do the opposite. Is there a call? So you've got Harlan. Yeah, I like Kevin. The Kobe Bryant. Harlan's brilliant. I've actually met him. He's a very nice guy. He was doing Chiefs radio at 23 years old. Have you ever felt more inadequate than you do right now? I, I haven't. No, no. Uh, you've got the Stanford band in the field. I mean, that, you know, yeah. classic. I don't know who that was. Right, but the call, like is, the call is so iconic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Miracle, Al Michaels, of course, yeah. has to be included. Brenneman is one where I've drawn the ire of Jacob Townsend, who we'll talk with next segment on Bull Predictions Recap back in studio. He says, oh, Brenneman, I don't know. I think Tom Brenneman's very good. I've seen some hate on Tom Brenneman on oh, Twitter the last couple oh, of days. Oh, Thom, T-H-O-M, yes, Tom? Tom with an H. I, now, see, I like Tom because growing up as a kid, he did uh, the innings that Harry Carey did for the Cubs. So I used to wow. enjoy listening to Tom when he was with the Cubs. Oh, so man. I'm a big Tom fan. I like Tom. Uh, you've got Vin Scully. It's classic. The call Just, of- you can't. Gibson. Argue that, can you? Um, is that it? I can't think of any others. Yeah. Oh, Vern. Yeah. Vern, in your life. Yeah. Uh, and then there one more. Uh, Jack, Jack Buck. Buck. That's Thank right. Yeah, yeah, Jack Buck. So, now, I've met are... Jack, too. I've met Jack, too. So, so Tom and Jack uh, are, are generational guys, right, because um, sometimes born into the right family helps out. Now, that being said, I think those guys have, have certainly earned their stripes, right? But both those guys have mentioned that if their dad isn't who they were, their first jobs wouldn't have been in AAA. Right. And they openly admit that. So that I get the re- I respect them because they openly say, look, I don't get this job if my dad isn't this. I know that. I understand that. And I'm, I can't help it. But that, that, that's it. They, they can't don't. help it. And that is the thing. That's right. You don't know what you're being born into. You don't know what your talents are going to be. And if you're around something, much like an athlete himself, right, someone that's covering athletics, much like an athlete themselves, they're just kind of thrust into that because that's what you're around. And that may be where your talents lie. And clearly, I think the majority of individuals that are generational, quote-unquote, as you said, 
do pretty well. I still have a problem with it personally. I can't get over it. I, I just, I don't know. I'm bitter. I, I am that uh, so I'm jealous not a Chip guy. Fan. A... Does that help? So I like, okay. I like Harry. I like Skip. Not a Chip fan. Okay. Not the grandson fan. Really? I just, yeah, I don't. I just, just not into it. Well, I I'm think, not. Heard, I'm not sure I, I've ever heard you say think, that you don't like a broadcast. Well, I, he has factually been on there and said so many things wrong. <laughs> I think that's what, like, at least. Jack Buck and Tom Brenneman aren't really wrong with if a if a ball is fair, foul, or safe. Right? Like, like he's just factually been wrong uh, on many. Bi- Matter of fact, they had to take him off playoff baseball with TBS because he had a, a, one of the game-winning calls completely jacked up. And not that I'm above jacking up a, a call late, but I'm not calling a, T- a TBS uh, playoff game. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain standard if you get to that level – and that's actually what actually cost Gus Johnson, who had had many great uh, NCAA tournament game calls. But it almost was like if basketball. you were a underdog team, a 12 seed, 13 seed, like you should call Gus and say, "Hey, ride the bus with yep. us," because he was going to get you a win. If he was calling the game, an upset was going to happen. Like it was just set in stone. He was brilliant, but he had a very bad because he started to do Knicks games. That one tournament, he kept messing up the NBA and college rules. Like, when was the shot clock to 24? One of the, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a lot of weird things. The next thing you know, they, they, they dumped him from the next round. And and then now maybe Fox came in and just paid him a buttload of money. I don't know. But but he was dropped, really, from the CBS. So, uh, But I love Gus. I don't want to – I love Fantastic. Gus. Because, you know, I like guys that get naked on the call, uh, as I do like, on an occasion. So – I'm fine with Gus, and again, it's not a, a hate of Chip Carey. I just uh, not a fan. I'll, I'll say that I'm just not a fan of people getting passed jobs down. But you make good points about if people recognize it, and they also say, "Look, if I had a choice, I wouldn't have taken the easier, whatever the case may have been. This was just kind of what I was born into." It's, it's true; they have no control over that. So, good transition on you not liking Chip Carey for him being wrong a lot. You've never been wrong, of course. Dick Stockton hasn't either. Here you go, Jacob. The undefeated Rams take on the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> that was two weeks ago. Did you miss that? It was eight days yes, ago. Yes, I did. And Jacob, I give him credit again because he sent me that um, almost immediately after it happened, it seemed like. And you could tell that I didn't put the entire call in. It was just in the open. Um, and there were shots of the weather, and it was snowing, and Poor Dick was kind of stumbling through it. You could tell that this call wasn't going the direction it should in the first place. He was saying, oh, it's cold and windy weather conditions and just kind of trying to find the right words. And then he goes with Denver Nuggets, who obviously are the basketball franchise in the NBA in Denver. And since you have never been wrong, Jay Sandoz, here is your call for the week. With the basketball. Alonzo Francois with it. Over to Francois. (laughs) Francois with it. Top of the key, trying to work against uh, Bradford. Bucks trying to double team that. Fall away three was an air uh, ball. <laughs> so not only not only do you have Alonzo Francois playing basketball, you got him shooting air balls on the court. I'm I sure got him on the right. Eddie's, Eddie's transferred to Greensboro, <laughs> UNCG, right? So, yeah, oh, that was uh, the, the okay. So the best part of that was me actually. At one time, hearing myself, I, I, don't, I don't know how to – every once in a while, like, you're, you're in the moment, you're just talking, and you're looking for stats, and you're just talking, you're talking. And then, again, I work basketball alone. It's not an excuse, but I'm just doing it. And at one point in time, I said it, 
And then I kind of, I don't know, I said it, and then I kind of, in my head, I'm like, <laughs> Wait boy, that's not right. So That's not right. Let's it's lay it the, out. Let's lay it out before we go any further. So that was last year at the championship game of the SoCon mm-hmm. Tournament Men's mm-hmm. Basketball. Alonzo so Francois, TBS would have fired me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alonzo Francois is an ETSU football player and has been here for quite some time. And, again, to your credit and defense here, you call ETSU football. You call ETSU men's basketball. Men's basketball is on its own. And with football, you're coming right out of the football season. Sometimes there's overlap where you're calling football and basketball. Now, this was in March, so there is that. But Francis Alonzo is a guard for UNCG, yeah. one of the better players in the Alonzo Francois actually still comes to my office and talks. So, so I know him uh, gotcha. besides that. So I, I have a relationship with Alonzo other than just I see him on the field Correct. and talk to him before the right. game. So he is a guy I talk to a lot. Um but yes, that that was uh that that was very bad. And I, but my favorite part of that was after the game when Mike Gallagher calls me and says, "Hey, did you were were you kind of giving <laughs> Francis Alonso a hard time by refusing to say I his swear name?" I right? thought you were. And I'm like, "Oh, uh, I did catch that, and I did probably didn't catch it to like the third media timeout. So that's what's even worse. It wasn't one time. I did it probably." 15 trips up the court. Because mistakes happen, right? I mean, you're going to get a name wrong once in a while. You could confuse or someone with someone. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, just a thing that's going to happen. Now, it, shouldn't happen always, on, it shouldn't happen on the NFL on Fox with Dick Stockton and the Denver Nuggets and Denver Broncos. Well, and that's pre-recorded normally. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's the, the other part about so it. So the fact they didn't re-record that or Did the something happened, I don't oh. know. Uh, that's shocking to me, especially if it was pre-recorded you make a mistake. And, and the other thing is I try to give people uh, a, a little bit of a pass when it is something. So if you're talking about two, three teams all at once and then you – uh, and I was making it up like I, well, I, I said earlier when I was talking to Robert and I was like, hey, you know, like, as we talked to ETSU, move forward to uh, Wofford. No, wait a minute. We played Wofford playing Western. So, sure. So, it's so just like, a lot of information in your head. So you get that and you get a quick correct. But but I did it several trips down the court, which <laughs> is just inexcusable. And again, obviously, in your, de- in your defense, Alonzo Francois and Francis Alonzo, they're so close and you work in such a close proximity with. Alonzo Francois, and Francis Alonzo is such a prominent player on the Southern Conference men's basketball scene. And throw on top of that, the DTSU and UNCG, two best teams in the Southern Conference, and you've had some pretty iconic calls, at least in terms of ETSU, with Francis Alonzo involved, uh, one specifically saying, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to sleep at night after that miss, or something along those lines. <laughs> it doesn't, it, it doesn't, excuse me, the other part of it is I'm not, uh, somebody that's paid to be neutral to each team where 95% of my listenership, if not more, is ETSU. And that's why I thought you were playing so, Francis Alonzo. So that, that <laughs> so a lot of that is, especially when it was still in conference summer games, so it wasn't like there, a game was played at ETSU, people couldn't find a UNCG broadcast or tune in. I mean, if they were either watching the game uh, on one of the ESPN, I think that one was, uh, that was last year, right? So it was ESPN. Two, I think it was. Yeah, yeah so it was an ESPN2 game. Uh, and then um, plus UNCG had a radio crew there. So the chances of UNCG people going to my broadcast were slim to none. That doesn't excuse <laughs> being wrong whatsoever. But the good news is at least I wasn't the, the ESPN2 guys that were making that, that mistake, which we played an NCAA tournament game, and, and I know everybody loves you know, Townsend. Uh, we'll talk to him next. He's a Vern Lundquist lover. But As Vern Lundquist called Murray Bartow, Murray Arnold, for the whole first half of our NCAA tournament game. Who's Murray Arnold? He's a former coach of, like, Murray State many years ago. Oh, okay. But he had the, our head coach wrong oh, in, in a tournament game that we lost by three in. It wasn't mm. like we weren't competitive in. Uh, actually, I think that was the Pittsburgh game. 
where we lost by ten and led the number the number one overall seed. Bucks were tied in the last media timeout with the ball mm. and a shot to take the lead. Mm. And so now he did love on ETSU a lot, but he did not love on Samurai Barto. <laughs> he did not because in the first half we had to send Mike White down and go, hey, Vern, buddy, could you change whatever you have written down here or make a note that our head coach is Murray Barto, not Murray Arnold? Just throwing it out there. Uh, can I tell you what I love the most about that Dick Stockton call? He is so enthusiastic about saying Denver Nuggets. It's almost like it was a bit where the producers and Dick Stockton got together and said, you know what, we don't like well, anybody in the Broncos. We're going to completely screw up the name, but make it sound really, really good and like you're excited for can it Can I still. defend uh, Stockton a little bit? Stockton makes 90% of his money on the NBA. Right. So I, I'm just going to go with that. Like uh, he does, and he probably, honest to God, they probably found him a Nuggets game to do the night before. <laughs> he very j- well j- could have just to go do that. preseason but, but game. Dick, right? Dick yeah. Stockton. When you think Dick Stockton, you almost always think, or I do. I, I think, think good NFL. I think basketball. I think yeah, I think who is the last place team in the NFC that they're going to stick him on? Now I'm shocked that he got the Rams. That's why I think maybe just the. A reality of him doing a West Coast basketball game and just logistics of, of guys sure. like that moving around, sure. that they moved him to what I think would, was a decent game that yeah, week definitely. and a 4 o'clock national definitely. type game. So I'm actually kind of shocked that Dick Stockton got that game. It's sort of like the old Kevin Harlan. Like, I know when it's a bad CBS game, like when they, how they feel about it when Kevin Harlan's doing the football call. Mm. Because as good as he is at basketball – I, he's he doesn't get love in football. Uh, he's the best radio call I think out there. He describes everything in such meticulous detail. One more thing to come to your yep. aid before uh-huh. we get to bull predictions recap. If it wasn't for Alonzo Francois and Francis Alonzo and pointing that out, I don't think really anyone would have noticed since the names are so close that you were making the mistake. Well, to be and, fair. And, well, here's the truth: they probably thought I was just confusing his first and last name. Right. That, that, that I was just saying it backwards, right. and so I probably throwing the French I, in there. Yeah, I, I probably had uh, that's right. Instead of Spanish, because he's Spanish, <laughs> uh, I went. I turned him completely. You were clouding French. him not and only he's European, not his name, he's but European, also his so lineage. Kind of, yeah, I mean he's European. So okay, all right, we'll step aside for a timeout. Uh, Jacob Townsend will come back to uh, tell us what we got wrong and some sort of controversy that does not involve me this week. Thank goodness. So Uh-oh. bold predictions after this on Santa's Sidekick. This is the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were. This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway 
or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway. He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 19- 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, He'll immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I could ask Robert Harper, who's a Browns fan, to break down yet another new way for them to lose. But uh, how'd they lose yesterday again? Well, yesterday they did catch a break that um, Tampa missed a field goal uh, to send it to overtime. Browns went basically three and out, punted, forced a turnover, was in field goal range. Mayfield takes a sack, uh, puts him out of field goal range. Punt Tampa down to the five. Tampa punts. Julius Peppers returns, breaks uh, breaks it for about 25, 30 yards, gets the Jabril midfield. Yeah. Jabril fumbles. Oh. Uh, Tampa gets it back. And then Tampa proceeds to kick a 59-yard field goal, which has a little, a little right-to-left little hook jobby just inside. So that's, uh, that's how that went down. All right, Jacob, go. All right, guys, we're a little short on time here, so let me just run through this quickly here. Please do. Jay, you went 0 for 3. Not even going to go touch any of it. You were bad. Mike, you missed your first two, okay? But let's just move to that last one because that's where the controversy starts. Please. You said Clemson would beat NC State by double the line. Yeah. On Friday, when you made that prediction, the line was either 17 or 17 in the hook in most book places. By That's... kickoff, it was 18 or 18 in the hook. The final score was 41 to 7. 41 minus 7 is 34. 17. Are we giving that to him, Jay? I'll let both of you vote. Keep in mind that I got past the fact that you two colluded against me did multiple he say, weeks. Did he say at least double? I said at least double. Yeah. 
beautiful, even on a low end, 17 and 17 is 34, right? Yeah, yeah. 34. And it, and Are we giving it to him 17. at 17? We're giving it to him at 17 in the hook? 18 no, the hook? I, no, clearly the, the opening, uh, opening kick line counts. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. Okay. Send this one to appeal. I haven't heard from him. I would if I could. Well, Jacob, what's the call? you got to make um, it. I was going to give it to you. There it is. But the man has spoken. Yeah, I'll give it to Woo! you. Woo! I'll give we it to you. We got three up on you, Sandos. Three. Yeah. Well, eight. I can't convert a two-point conversion again. How about that? What am I now, Jacob? Yeah. Have I got an eight right? Jay's you're got at five eight. Right? Jay's at five. Mike, you're batting almost 300. You're batting <laughs> 296. Jay, batting 185. Wish my real batting average in baseball could have been that. All right, Santos sidekick. Tomorrow we'll talk ETSU. We'll talk Western. Angry man is going to be angry. That's all I know. Santos and sidekick tomorrow on the Buccaneers Sports Network. <laughs>